Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Value Line Observer, brought to you by the Value Guys. I'm Vern Value. And I'm Val Hughes. And we're 20 year or more in a certain case. Uh, Wall Street veteran analysts that have gone uh-huh. underground, we've, uh, we've gone undercover, we've changed our voices, taken out secret identities, so that we can bring you um, our candid professional's uh, viewpoint of a few stocks every week, uh, uh, chosen from that week's Value Line Investment Survey. In this case, the issue dated April 4, 2008. Um, but first, I need to remind everybody that uh, this is for entertainment purposes only, and you should assume that we have all kinds of nasty conflicts of interest I know uh, I do. involved with every stock, or if we don't, I think I would assume simple ignorance on our part. Yeah, we sometimes uh, don't know anything about this. About what we're talking yeah. In any event, uh, if you want to learn more about that and make sure that you uh, understand exactly all of our disclaimers, please visit uh, our website, www.thevalueguys.com. In the uh, second half, well, first, I, in, in case you can't tell, uh, I can't not tell together this week because, uh, well, one of us, uh, I, you know, I, I think the news is already out there that uh, one of us uh, is a part-time circus performer and is on the road this week, but uh, we've still managed to get together on the phone so that we can bring you the show. In the second half of the show, uh, I'm going to do a little bottom fishing, but uh, first, in the first half of the show, that yes, would sir. be... Um, I'm going to turn it over to that equity angler extraordinaire that's a playing on words with bottom fishing. Oh, I see. Yeah, Thank Val you. Hughes. Thank you. Thank you very much for that introduction. Um, you know, uh, we're trying to bring you the show, and one of us is actually behind the Iron Curtain uh, this week. And, uh, yes, we are. are we're in the past. <laughs> uh, and so there may be some technological issues this week, but we'll try to work through it. Uh, I had a couple thoughts I wanted to share with the listeners, and if you don't want to share with me, then fast forward through this part. But I've been thinking about this mortgage crisis and how some of the out estimates for the you know, magnitude of the problem are two or three hundred billion, and that seems like a lot. And I say seems, I mean it is a lot, but it seems like a lot because I was uh, just, you know, moving around through the uh, statistical abstract of the United States the other day, I just nothing on television. Hey, if you, if you had $1 bills and you laid them all end to end, how many times would it go back and forth to the moon? You know, that's for next week's show, Vern, and oh, okay. you're giving that away. I was going to make that a, 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 a you know, a, a quiz for this well, week. something to look forward to. Yeah, but just, I don't know if people have this in I mind. I call that a teaser. Yeah, teaser, great. Listen, I just want to get to the information. I think that's why people tune in here. Uh, and here's some, although it's a little out of date. The GDP in 2006, 13 point, uh, I smudged this, <laughs> point six maybe, trillion. That's a lot. Mortgage crisis, 300 billion. So you can see that's a very small percentage. I'm, I haven't actually worked it out, but it's... Uh, you know, a couple percent at the well, most. About five percent, right? Yeah, thank you. Uh, then I was looking through, you know, the personal consumption expenditure page. Here I only have data of 2005, and it's not my doing. It's the statistical abstract. I'm sure you could go to the source document and be up to date. But in the years 2003, 2004, 2005, we spent in 2003 1.1 trillion on housing. Uh, 2004, 1.2 trillion. 2005, 1.3 trillion. So just in those three years, well, I'll add in another year. 2002 makes the math easier. One trillion. 
okay? So in those four years, we spent $4.6 trillion on houses, so they're worth $300 million less. That's a couple percent. You know, I wish my stock portfolio were, uh, could say that. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, I was just looking through the page, Vern. I hope you're still listening. Maybe this isn't that interesting. Uh, Americans spent on physicians in 2005 $340 billion. So these people are well off, let's face it. One year, no comp, whatever, solved, all right? Uh, I was looking... <laughs> Listen, I was looking at a couple of other Sounds numbers. Sounds like a pretty huge number relative to those other well, things. I mean, here, you're, tell, you're saying that it's almost as much as we spend on health care every year? In what, for one year. But I'm saying yeah. it's 2 or 3% of four years' worth of housing. So you don't turn houses every four years. You turn them seven years. So you're still in... I think you need to tune up your abacus. The numbers you were talking about was more like 7%. Well, three hundred billion. I just gave you four years. Houses turn every seven. So my point: seven years of houses, you're going to be around eight trillion. And this year, they're worth three hundred, you know, billion less. And the people that took bets on that lost money. Uh, I just, in the terms of how important it is to the overall economy, Vern. That's my point. Americans spent seven hundred and fifty billion on recreation in two thousand five. And here's something interesting, only $220 billion on education. So, anyway, this is on page, uh, it's table 655 in the statistical abstract. Go have fun with that. My point is, this mortgage crisis is not huge relative to what we all spend on, you know, uh, going to the movies and stuff like that. Okay, first every up. Every year. Uh, yeah, every year, correct. Uh, first up this week. And I didn't have a lot of time to prepare because I was fascinated by the statistical abstract, uh, which is good for a nice read. Go check it out. Of the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah, sometimes dip into other countries and look. You know, it's important if you want to have, you know, some knowledge about things. Oh, yeah? Like what other countries? Oh, like uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, I so just go to my, in order of my uh, most favorite countries, so I do it yeah, that way. Quote me a fact about Canada. Uh, Canada has uh, one-tenth the economy of the United States. Okay. Okay. Is that, what do you think about that? I don't think that's right. I think it's about 15. But okay, 15. Okay. Well, you know, the dollar now, I don't know if you're factoring that in. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's probably about 50% the size yeah, of the economy Yeah, right, now. I yeah. forgot about it. Okay, let's just get to some stocks. What do you say, Vern? Please, I think everybody's probably... I'm in a different time zone, and people are not even listening at this point, in my opinion. <laughs> in your time zone. CMEX, page 849. And as listeners know, I just go in page number order. Uh, CX is the ticker on this one. Now, it's an ADR. It's, you know, what is it? It's a Mexican holding company engaged in the production, distribution, marketing, and sale of cement. Ready mix concrete, which I don't like, aggregates, and clinker, which is a component in cement, evidently. Uh, but they have an, an international market, and uh, they sell only 18% in Mexico, 21% in the United States, 9% Spain, 9% UK, etc. So pretty diversified. The play here is something that listeners know I've talked about. Cement never goes down in price, and right now this stock has gone from, uh, you know, 49, 41 at a high to 27, and I think ultimately, you know, cement is gaining share, economies come back, this housing thing will work through, 
and this is selling at five times cash flow, nine times free cash flow. Now, they do have a growing share base. I'm assuming that's for acquisitions, and I'm not a huge fan of that, but it's not horrible. They do well, put that's up where they got all that international exposure. They made a, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but it took them a long time to close it, but they made a big acquisition of a, I think, U.K.-based company um, that gave them a, a lot more of their presence in um, Europe, and the U.S. business is also an acquisition. Well, they did by Rinker, I guess, last year. Thank you, Rinker. Yeah. <clears throat> And so they're working through that. In fact, their margins should get better as they continue to consolidate some of Rinker's facilities. Uh, Value Line points out here that a weakness in some of the company's markets is a culprit in their sales weakness right now. Yeah, the construction market in Spain has completely crashed. Yeah, well, even with all that, first quarter sales are down 1%. So they're pretty diversified, certainly not overly weighted to the U.S. housing uh, issues. Um, and evidently they were also up against some easy comparisons a year ago when weather was uh, better for, I don't know, pouring cement, evidently. But my main point is here, diversified play on global infrastructure. The world's never been richer, and uh, cement's gaining share. These guys are a big worldwide provider, five times cash flow. They do have uh, some cash. Uh, their balance sheet's in pretty good shape, 30% debt to cap. 20 billion market cap, 8 billion in debt. So that is a lot of debt. A billion six in cash. Value line says they're going to grow 12%. So the way I might look at this is some kind of 11% cash on cash return on the free cash flow. And then you get uh, 12% growth. So you're in that low 20s range as a return. And uh, I think that's a pretty good place. And you get diversification. So CMAX CX. Next up, uh, a little company. I like to call HNI Corp. Ticker HNI. Uh, you ever hear What's of this that? one? No. Well, I I didn't know either. Is it like H and M, which is women's high fashion, no, it's low a, cost it's, retailing? It's a furniture company, and I thought of oh. Han, but then you look through the fine print here; it doesn't seem to be Han, or Han's not showing up. But they are a manufacturer of metal and wood office furniture in the U.S. They sell a complete line, which is good. You, you want a complete line when you're getting office furniture. You know, Cab- selling desks without chairs can be tough. It's a problem. Those guys are not in business. Cabinets, desks, chairs, wall systems, and credences. Uh, you know, I don't know if they Dentures, provide. Oh, how exciting. I don't, it doesn't say anything about decorative plants here, so you may have to outsource that part. Oh, wait a minute. Also, wood-burning fireplaces. So... You don't have to go somewhere else for your fireplace in your office. I've, yeah, I've always had one. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, they've grown through acquisition. Uh, look, what am I attracted to? I'm getting way ahead of myself. I have no idea. I know. I'm just meandering around here. I'm barely awake. Uh, I don't know where I am, Vern. That's how bad it is out here. Okay. Uh, let's see. What do I like? Well, I like the valuation. That goes without saying. Gross cash flow, 450 a share. Stock? This says 2880, but I peaked. They had a quarter report in between value line and now. And so the stock's actually at 25. And for that matter, this 450 may now be some other number as well, 420. Let's yeah, assume they're just. Is, yeah, yeah let's four. assume they're flat. Let's say it's four. Stock 25, four. That's five plus times. Uh, they do have CapEx at a buck 40. That's not excessive. It's a furniture company. So, you know, they're not building heavy factories here more of an assembler, quite likely. 
And so you got about three bucks a share in free cash flow, stock at 25. That's nine times. They target the mid-market. You know, the engine oftentimes coming out of recessions is people, uh, smart people out of work with laptops who need offices, and they're not going to buy the high-end stuff. They're going to buy the mid-end stuff. Is mid an end? I'm sorry, the mid stuff. And uh, these guys are mid-end, you know. Um, so I like that. They're putting up good returns going way back, mid-teens on capital, low 20s now on equity, so they're doing something smart with their productivity. They tend to buy shares with uh, free cash, so $44 million outstanding now, $55 million just four years ago, so they put that to work, and you get a little bit of a yield, 3% uh, yield on this thing. So uh, Value Line says they're going to grow earnings at 13%. Part of that's going to be the share buyback because cash flow is growing at 10 and they don't have much cash on the balance sheet. A balance, you know, debt is 37% debt to cap, covered 11 times because of the cash flows coming out of this thing and the returns. Operating margins only 11%, so you'd think it'd be a commodity, but at those margins, it's going to be tough for you know, people to come in and make money and compete with them as startups. And they're managing to obviously give good pricing uh, to customers what? and still put up a 15% return on capital. Yeah, well, what was that 11% margin mean it's tough for people to come in and make money? What? Well, because uh, these guys have some economies of scale. If you and I tried to compete with them on price, my point is we wouldn't make money. You and I, let's start the furniture company across the street. We won't make money because they've well, got economies. Well, it's true in any business. It's not always true. If there's real high operating margins, you can take less profit and get in a business and starve for a little while. Here, I'm saying you'd lose money. But that's a, you know, that's a topic for a show. What do operating margins do to the competitive landscape? I just wasn't following landscape? the logic. I just wasn't following the logic. Well, that's just my logic is low margins keep people out because they can't make money. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's kind of a twisted logic, isn't it? I mean, so the lower the margin, the Only better if you're you calling like the company? Me, well, not always. I'm always... Good. Vern, you know... What? Twisted logic, look... Read a book, okay? These guys okay. are putting up 15% returns on capital. Oh, I didn't hear that before. That's great. Low margins. Did you say that before? Yes, I did. The low margin means there's commodity pricing, but they earn their you know, return in the logistics and the asset turnover. We've talked about okay, this thanks, before. thanks, Dad. Listen, I'm just trying to help out. I'm not, I'm just, these guys are very good at logistics and cost structure and the pricing, they're, they're not charging. I think that is Han, by the way. Is it? Yeah, HNI? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, I'm right. using a lot of time. I know. So what kind of margins does Steelcase have? You know, I don't have that in front of me, Vern. But I'm oh, going to bet okay. it's uh, in the low, you know, low teens. I think it is. Yeah. They don't make money on the actual furniture. They make money on efficient deployment of capital in the uh, infrastructure and service and all that. That's my opinion, anyway. I just, I just seems to me there are a lot of people out there that would love to be making within a couple points of those numbers. Well, they would. But if you're t a startup, I think it's hard to get those economies. That's why if you want to start something well, up, it start it up in the investment management business. Or hang out your shingle as a lawyer, stuff like that. I don't think mm -hmm. you can do it doing this anyway, or an artist yeah. maybe. Yeah, okay. Anyway, my uh, last pick is uh, one I've never heard of either. Uh, 
granite construction GVA, page 982. Oh, come on. Huh? I, I think one of us has talked about this one oh. before. Well, as I'm saying, I'm, I'm a little sleepy, so maybe I have heard it. Uh, maybe they used to be something else on different companies' name here. Aggregates, right? Yeah, they're the largest heavy civil construction contractor, one of them, in the United States. They serve public and private sector clients in the West, the Southwest, and the Southeast. This is where the population is growing. That's where everybody wants to live. So that's where you want construction materials. The stock, what am I attracted to? Uh, the stock has gone from 75 uh, in the mid-07 to 33. That's what Value Line says. Cash flow yeah. per share, 6 bucks. stock at 33. That's $5.00. They build granite road. Well, they don't build granite roads. Granite builds roads, highways, bridges, dams, tunnels. I mean, infrastructure is uh, apt to be growing faster than GDP over the next five to ten years, in my opinion. And I believe uh, these types of materials are gaining share. Um, ten percent of their business is with the California Department of Transportation, and evidently their business was down last year. You know, some of this is going to be an annuity like a bond. I mean, does California need more stuff on their, uh, you know, infrastructure? Yeah, and uh looks like these guys are a pretty good supplier. So they also put up low teens returns on capital, mid-teens on equity, uh, selling at 11 times earnings. I think this is a pretty easy one. Um, you just hold it a long time. Their capital structure is in great shape, 28% debt to cap. They've got 12 bucks a share in cash. Uh, so if I net that out against the debt, they're, uh, they're net cash positive by a couple bucks a share, uh, maybe five bucks a share. And they're trading at six times enterprise value to EBITDA, which I might say is a 16% cash on cash return. Value line says they're going to grow at 11%. And, uh, I like this one uh, just on those stats. I got to probably go read about it. I don't own this one. I don't own any of them this week, but um, I like this little granite construction. Anyway, are you there, Vern? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Wondering, wondering when you're done. I'm done now. That's it. That's it for uh, values this week. Okay. Yeah. Turning it over to me then. I am. I might have okay. a margin question later. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't bother you if I do. Interject as soon as it pops into your head. That's okay. the, kind of the, the system I use. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I will. I'm going to go now, okay? Yeah, let me introduce you, though. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, that's, we do the traditional introduction with Ooh. a modest amount of ado this week because, uh, you know, listeners, uh, you know, they don't always realize the trouble that Vern Value goes to to hook in to my computer because you may think the show is wherever you are on your computer no it's on my computer and all the gadgetry that makes this work is on my computer so uh Vern is often going to a lot of trouble to connect to me and I just want to Vern say a heartfelt thank you here for that and uh I'm sure the listeners would want to thank you as well so well I'm I'm touched yeah so you. uh you know for so so let's give a great deal of ado then with that oh, I'm going to start with a, a to, stock uh, called Vern Value. I didn't finish the introduction, and we didn't do a toast. So it, was, it seemed to be going on a long time. It was. Okay, Whoa! Okay. There we go. How do we do that I electronically? Just, I just hit I'm, two I'm, glasses. I'm starting together. with I'm starting with something called Chesapeake. T 
I promised some bottom fishing, and uh, you know, there's uh, there were several distressed-looking stocks in this week's issue um, because this week's issue is focused on well, the home building industries in here, building materials, uh, household products, furniture and home furnishings, paper and forest products, which of course depends on housing. Um, so. You know, Val had good EMC company, but uh, um, in any event, I looked carefully at uh, all of these really beat up, highly leveraged uh, entities, and the one that I think looks the most interesting is something called Chesapeake. I'm not familiar with it. The symbol is CSK. Value Line cut their rating to a five, yet they project uh, average annual total return between now and 2011 to 13 will range between 17 and 33 percent a year. So there's something. Speaking of twisted, there's something twisted going on in the uh, their recommendation system. Okay? Why are we the bringing back totally the, the twisted? What? Why are we bringing it, up the twisted thing again? It, it's or, such a cool word. I like the word twisted. It's still, it's, I want to. We're hurts, trying to appeal to the younger me. crowd as well, right? Yeah, but it hurts me. That's all. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Listen, I'll try to avoid it. Maybe now, okay? I maybe I'm just missing you a little bit, Vern, because you're far far from me now. <laughs> the stock, the stock. I oh my God, the stock has been just destroyed. Um, last year traded between 480 and 1870. That's where the stock is right now. 480. Um, wow. The high in 2003 to 2005 each year was 27 or 28 dollars. The all-time high here is north of 40, okay? This is a seller of specialty packaging, including corrugated containers, consumer product packaging, and plastics, mainly in Europe, uh, is what this says. So doesn't look like I have uh, a reason to be hugely concerned about um, the pending or ongoing or, you know, off-rumored, never-seen U.S. recession. Um, and oh, the problem here, appears right. to be that uh, the company has um, a fairly significant leverage, uh, highly leveraged balance sheet. And you know how the market feels right now about um, the availability of debt capital to highly leveraged entities. Um, but I don't, it doesn't, it looked the least risky of the ones that I looked at, okay? So uh, first let's just talk about the raw valuation uh, at under $5, I'm looking at 15 years of history. The lowest cash flow per share number is $1.20. Over that entire period of time, they have always been positive. Uh, and most of uh, most of those years, only two years, the last two years, in fact, that have been under $3 a share in gross cash flow. Free cash flow, uh, much smaller number because it's a capital-intensive business. You got you know, it's highly automated, high produ- high volume production of a nearly commodity product. Uh, so free cash flow per share. Well, Vern, just on that point, around, may I interject yeah. for a moment? Sure, 9.5% operating margin. I'm looking what about at, 9.5? Well, that's what Chesapeake has. Yeah. Okay. And my, I would postulate to you, sir, that that mm-hmm. keeps people out. Little guys, startups. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I don't know anything enough about the structure of this industry. I, I think I probably had the idea that there were a lot of competitors in uh, well, a lot of big competitors. Packaging, and, yeah. Well, in any event, um, I'm sure you're right. Uh, the thing that appealed to me about the margin picture is that raw material costs, of course, been a major problem for this company with uh, 
for example, the oil price impact on uh, on resin costs, um, and you know, I'm sure materials are a relatively high proportion of total cost of sales. So operating margins running a little under 10% now versus historical low teens. Uh, so a measure of how much they could go up if you had better volume. Uh, annual revenue around a billion dollars uh, this past year and forecast for 08. Same number as a couple years earlier for two years. So there's probably uh, a business in here that can do a billion two or a billion three with 13% operating margins compared to a billion at 8 or 9% where they are right now. So that's interesting. Um, if I look at what looks like a normalized free cash flow number, I think your current stock price is probably about a 6 to 8 multiple of that. It's less than 10% of revenue per share. So um, statistically very cheap. In terms of how risky, well, they're showing $44 million of long-term interest, $10 million of uncapitalized annual rentals. So i got call it $54 million in fixed obligations, uh, but it looks to me like a low to high range of reasonable EBITDA estimates for this year is 80 to $100 million. Uh, or look at it in terms of uh, um, enterprise value. Uh, around $600 million means I've got a six to seven multiple of uh, enterprise value. So um, a lot of risk discounted into the stock price without question, so it becomes a question of Will they survive? And I don't know why I wouldn't expect this company to survive that uh, has apparently hit the roughest patch it has in 15 years, but otherwise had a long history of uh, being able to generate uh, sufficient cash flow and profitability to stay in business, even though return on capital is uh, fairly low. Uh, doesn't look like hey, they have any significant maturities coming up until something like 2011, 12, 13. It's not perfectly clear, but Value Line does mention uh, those dates and it's uh, right up and uh, they apparently have been talking about cost cutting uh, plans but must not have quantified anything because the value line analyst uh, says they'll possibly do some things like that well I'm sure they will if this kind of pressure on their profitability continues so you can anticipate an improvement in cost structure here as well I think uh, you know it's fear and an opportunity to Maybe, uh, you know, have a shot at a kind of outside percentage return in a short period of time when the market gets a little less concerned about um, credit availability for uh, long-standing, long-existing, profitable industrial businesses. So Chesapeake, uh, you know, check it out a little more carefully than I did, but uh, there's your bottom fishing name. Now, I do, have, uh, I do have two other stocks that are off significantly that I want to talk about. Now, one, I went, but in both cases, maybe have uh, formed the bottom and are on their way back. Uh, one of these I've talked about before, and one of them maybe you have, Val. Um, American Woodmark. I think I'm going to do tractor supply first because uh, what I like about this stock at $42 uh, with highs in the last, prior three years ranging from 58 to $68 uh, is that it is a, uh, sort of call it a closet play on the uh, U.S. ag economy. It's not that uh, high, um, high profitability, high cash flow, commercial, uh, large-scale production agriculture goes to tractor supply, but because of the positive benefits of uh, higher uh, uh, commodity prices and farm income in rural communities, the local economies in, 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 in those places are in much better shape than they have been in recent years, and that's where tractor supply is located. A retailer that supplies the lifestyle needs of recreational farmers and ranchers also, tradesmen and small businesses in 43 states, primarily rural communities. 
Um, they let's see livestock and pet products a third of sales, seasonal products like snow blowers and mowers a quarter, hardware and tools fifteen, clothing ten, truck and towing ten, ag products less than ten. Okay, so um, it's really it, it's a regional economic play. Gross margins, uh, probably contrary to most retailers, have been steadily moving up for the last several years, um, including uh, the last two years averaging around 31.5 compared with 30.5 a couple years before that, and most of uh, the prior five years under 30. Value lines looking for double-digit cash flow and earnings growth. Leverage is low, less than 9% of capital. Value line thinks uh, average annual return can be 14 to 27%. You know, I'm looking at basically a market multiple, but 10 times cash flow. Um, I've got, you know, the rising gross margin story. I also have uh, uh, improving return on invested capital. The company has expanded past tense, so they've already done it. Expanded their credit line to $350 million, so they have growth capital available. Uh, Value line, a lot of talk about low expectations, you know, challenging retail environment and not too many new stores and all that kind of thing. So... Um, I think that's why the stock looks cheap compared to where it's averaged over the last couple of years. And with uh, probably better fundamentals than uh, the market wants to give them credit for, uh, you ought to be taking a look at disassembled TSCO tractor supply. And I'm going to get quick about the last one because I'm pretty sure we talked about this um, when um, these stocks came up in rotation last time around. American Woodmark, they make uh, kitchen cabinets and vanities for remodeling, which is, two-thirds of sales, and new home, one-third, all of that in the U.S., I think. Or yeah, we've talked about sure. that. Um, the stock, uh, around $22, symbol AMWD, around 22 bucks is something like seven to nine times gross cash flow. Uh, it's, it's seven times 09's forecast for free cash flow. I don't know if that's a good number, but if it's not 09, it'll just be 010. I mean, be patient. Stock's down more than 50%, but like I say, looks like it's starting to turn, and if you want a good early cycle idea, I mean, that's what, that's, that's what residential construction is normally. It'll be even more so this cycle, having turned down two years before the economy is apparently going to go into Well, recession. if you look, I just pulled the chart up, Fern. If yep. you look, as we were coming out of the last recession, this stock was up a lot after, you know, going through a period that looked a lot like the one we're in Could right now. Could have bought now. it in seven, for $7 in 2000, sold it for 37 two years later, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's virtually no Sales debt. per share uh, twice that level. Cash cash exceeds debt, so they're net cash positive, so I don't have uh, liquidity issues here. I've got a enterprise value somewhere in the 300 to $325 million range, but EBITDA looks like it's sustainable at at least $40 million. That'd be nine times, uh, I'm sorry, seven times at 50, or nine times, I guess, right? Under nine times, eight times. Uh, maybe $50 million, maybe it's seven times. Uh, return on capital is a single digit now, but after a long history in the mid-teens, um, I, you know, it's just a question of time here. AMWD, American Woodmark, and that's what I've got. And, Great, uh, appreciate everybody's patience with the technical issues. Well, I do, too, just want to say. And uh, so. good luck with uh, your challenges uh, wherever you might be this week. Are you talking to me or to the listeners? Everybody. I tried to make it generic. You're just filled with goodwill and good wishes this week, Vern. Do you have a favorite stock this week? My favorite stock this week would probably be American Woodmark. American Woodmark, okay. Yeah. And I'm going to go with uh, this little granite construction, GVA, and uh, that's all I have from Val Hughes.
Okay. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.